Welcome to Bellies, Babies, and Birth. My name is Amy Vanderlinden, and I'm a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health and myofascial work. I have a passion for helping women thrive throughout pregnancy, delivery, and that postpartum period so that they can get back to the activities they love. This podcast is to help provide education and resources and also to build community, particularly here in the Phoenix Valley. Enjoy! Hey everybody, welcome back to Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs. I'm your host, Jocelyn Conley, pelvic floor physical therapist, and today I have on Amy Vander Linden. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so happy to have you today. Hey. Hello. Welcome on. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Um, I really wanted to have you on because I think you serve such, you have such a niche in the pelvic health world in Arizona. And uh, I find myself often saying, hey, I can't treat, I don't want to treat you because I think you need to treat you need to see Amy. So basically, tell me how you got into my fascia release and then women's health because you are freaking amazing. Super kind and thank you very much. Um, well, I've been a PT. Ah, these numbers are getting big. Um, Twenty years, and um, next month actually, and. I started, I've worked in a bunch of different settings, but I took my first myofascial release course with John Barnes in 2009, March, 2009. So 11 years ago. And it flipped my world upside down in a lot of ways. Um, and immediately I connected with that work, um, as being what I felt called to do. And as you well know, there's a million directions that PTs can go. It's such a great profession because there's so many areas that we can specialize and work in. And um, with Con Ed, you know, all those choices are just out there. And so I just really connected with this as what called me to the work, um, kind of returning me to that desire to bring authentic healing, yet somehow knowing that it wasn't about me. I think in school, we're so programmed, like no stuff, do stuff, fix the patient. And my fascial work and John's way of teaching us opened my world back up to something I wasn't even sure I knew I wanted back up to making it about the patient back up to, it isn't about me. It isn't about what I bring into the room. It's about helping the patient connect with their body's ability to heal and making that as possible as it can be. And so for me, that just is um, so profound. And so I just went on to take all of his classes. Um, he's added one now, so I can't say I've taken them all now. Um, but then, so that was 2009. Um, I believe it was March. Trevor. I have to always go off like by when my kids were born. Yeah. March, 2012. Um, 
Yeah, that's got to be right. That I went and took women's health with John Barnes for the first time. And that took me down yet another whole rabbit hole, um, bad pun. But um, so yeah, I've been doing that work ever since then. So you, you started out as a traditional PT and then you took your first John Barnes course. When I particular, when I describe what my fascia release is to another, to a patient, I I have a hard time. So try to get into the patient's mind or, or take the, the role of the patient. How would you explain the difference between the myofascial approach rather than just like another massage because it's totally different and I don't even like to call it a call it massage right I'll try to answer you so it took me a long time to kind of get my elevator speech together right like that whole what do you do um and then what is my fascia release is a whole other question. So you're saying if I was going to answer that for a patient, like what is my fascia release? What would I say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what we tell clients, um, you know, from a, from a patient standpoint, they don't really care. Um, and sometimes the less they know, the better. And I don't mean that in a misguiding or deceiving way. I mean, a lot of times my words and my information screw it up. And you know me, I don't run short on words. But so I've really, I think, improved in that arena of that need to explain, that need for them to know what I know and know why it's so amazing, like they don't care. And sometimes they feel it more deeply and more profoundly the less I say. But I mean, we still do explain. So I'll try to answer your question. I, we say it's a hands-on technique that is slow and gentle, um, that we're taught to avoid escalating that fight or flight tendency, um, which is really important for people that are in pain, especially some of the sensitive areas we deal with with pelvic, as well as some of the chronic pain or post-surgical clients. Like their systems are already on like, I say DEFCON 3. And so we don't want to contribute and escalate them to DEFCON 5. We're trying to bring them down so that there's no DEFCONs, that everything's just back at homeostasis. They're happy um, and not reactive. So that's often the main gist of what I say, that it's a hands-on technique that we're sinking into the body and waiting for the body to respond. We're not forcing, we're not... um, we're supposed to walk in with no agenda. That the, whatever you just said about saying less and just allow letting the body do the talking. And maybe that's why it's so hard for me to explain because it's, it, it is like a feeling. And I think as PTs, we try so hard to like a before pre myofascial release, try so hard to find, to fix, 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 but the body knows. And we don't know always all the trauma that the body has experienced. And maybe, so if you're listening and you're a patient or you're a person, you might not even know or remember. Often so much has happened, you forget. And so it's hard to explain. And I really like your explanation. It's so, it, the, the less is more, less is more what, in the, when you describe what my fascia release is. 
So what is the difference in, let's say, dry needling or scraping? Because that's what people ask for. They're like, do you scrape? Do you dry needle? Do you cup? What is the difference between seeing someone that is skilled in my fascia release? And notice I said skilled because I would say that I'm okay, but I'm not skilled yet. You're getting there. One day. Soon. Um, well, so there's a million right ways to do a lot of things, right? And there's a lot of ways that we can introduce healing to the body. So I try to be careful not to put down any kind of other method, especially ones that I haven't taken a dry needling class and I never will. I am wicked needle adverse. Um, I don't want to have it done to me. I don't want to do it. Um, it, it wouldn't matter to me if it was for sure the most effective thing on the planet for every diagnosis. I just wouldn't be able to do it. Um, so again, I think that the core difference without nitpicking all the millions of techniques that are out there, I think the core difference is that waiting on the body, you know, dry needling, we're still doing something to the body, um, which I mean, fascial work's doing something to the system, but again, we're waiting on the system. We're waiting at that barrier. And so, you know, cupping, I, I like, I'm interested in, um, I think it should be reserved for certain areas for a certain purpose. Um, but you know, scraping, can that work out adhesions? Sure. Can that address really thick scarred down tendinous areas? Sure. I've never known a Graston tool or a rolfer because that rolfers are also, it's very confusing. A lot of people think myofascial work is rolfing because they'll say they're myofascial workers and, and they are. It's just a very different approach. I have never experienced, maybe it's out there, but I've never experienced scraping or rolfing that isn't pretty dang painful. Now, maybe that's brief, but again, with the clients we work with and the approach we have, that is going to put you in some degree of fight or flight. I'm not saying they're causing a ton of trauma and I'm not saying they're like causing trauma that's going to scar people for life or anything. It's just not the way I want to go about engaging with the system. Does that makes sense? Yeah. Okay. yeah, totally. I found, so I dry needle and I also, I haven't gotten the certification for a stem or Graston, but my CIs in school did. So I have, we got exposed to it and then, just intro, there's IASTM. So for the listeners, instrumented assisted soft tissue mobilization. And I find that a lot, there's a lot of people that do respond well, but those that have really heightened nervous systems. So meaning instead of a punch being painful, just a tap is painful. They just sure. don't tolerate it. And so I have gotten opposite of responses that I would like after doing one or the other. Not always the case, but now I do not. I, I mean, I'll needle myself sometimes, but I, if I could, if I could use a myofascial release approach that I'd learned in my training, I almost always pick that. It's great to have multiple avenues. And I mean, that's part of why, you know, our think tank group and networking with other therapists and knowing like, so I've done this and it's got them to this point, but I feel like it's plateauing or 
something missing and being able to refer out to friends and colleagues that we know and trust and have experienced their work is so vital because I think it's hugely dependent on your population, right? Like sure, you work with athletes, it's going to be a different situation than a 50-year-old post-hysterectomy client who has a lot of scar tissue and, and severe pain. Like it's just different needs, different, you know, you take a CrossFit athlete who's only has this one injury and otherwise they're healthy and feel great. And you cause them a little bit of extra pain to solve their problem. Like that's not going to throw them into a, a pain response or a trauma response. So, I mean, I think it's great to have different skills for different issues. Totally. And it's, I think it's important for people to hear. So Amy was saying that having other eyes on you or hearing what other professionals, what they think, it, it doesn't mean that the, that your rehab with your provider that you originated with was all for nothing. I think the most success that I have with my patients is when I collaborate with other, with other professionals, because we all do things a little bit differently. And, you know, the more eyes sometimes, the better you, you get different opinions and then you can make a decision. What is best for you? Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, that's been a benefit even since bringing Melissa on and she and I are both, you know, myofascially trained from John Barnes and, you know, getting into the visceral stuff through the Baral Institute. And so even though we've got a similar approach and a similar background, we're two extremely different people. So we pick up on different things. We're more sensitive to different things. Um, I'm going to react with the client and draw out of them a different thing than how she is. Um, And so I super appreciate those gifts. And obviously when you collaborate with practitioners that have even a different skill set than you, it just gets wider. So yeah, yeah, I love, again, love the think tank, love our referral network, love the therapist groups here in the Valley. We're very blessed, the group we have in here in Arizona. I can speak for the, as a patient, because Amy is actually my physical therapist. And, you know, in the past, I've seen a physical therapist and I've seen a physical therapist assistant. And there is some hesitancy sometimes of like, oh, I want to see the physical therapist. But whenever I went to moment of truth, it was, it didn't matter because it was two different types of experiences. And I saw huge, I just felt so good no matter who I saw. And so when she says mention visceral and just having different hands, it does speak to the skill level of both Amy and Melissa. I mean, their team is amazing. Can you talk about what is visceral? What's, what is visceral, visceral mobilizations and who does it help? Yeah, for sure. So visceral work works on the fascia as well. It's more specific to our organs, our abdomen, um, those different parts of literally our viscera, our internal organs, lungs, liver, kidney, spleen, um, the pelvic floor organs, Um, And of course, there's different courses and different levels of training. Um, And so we've both done level one and level two, um, which are primarily all the abdominal contents and all the intestines. And gosh, you got small intestine, large intestine and the different parts of that. And so 
Whereas, you know, the John Barnes fascial work is way down here on this end of, is it hot? Is it hard? Is it tender? Does it move? Does it not move? Overall is at this end of the similar approach, similar touch, similar feeling into the body, waiting on the body, um, letting the body lead the treatment and the healing. He's very, 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 very specific. You know, what's this ligament, this tendon, these fascial pieces that attach the liver up into the diaphragm and all the different suspensory aspects of that. And so very, very specific anatomically to what you're treating and what should be moving well and what influences what. So the approach and feeling in the body is really similar, but the specificity goes up quite a few notches with the visceral work. Speaking from a non-visceral trained therapist, I can tell you for sure, like the specificity and whatever words she just used is she's exactly right. Like I couldn't treat the visceral uh, organs because I don't know the anatomy that well. And uh, so if you are having issues like, and Amy, you can correct me if I'm wrong, like anything that you've had a GI problem or just inflammation, you know, IBS, uh, any bladder infections, or anything, anything, endometriosis, uh, interstitial cystitis, but you'd want to see, or if you can see a therapist that has this experience, could you add anything else or correct me if I said anything wrong? You didn't say anything wrong. Um, and Melissa and I are still growing and learning, you know, where I'm 11 years in with the fascial work, I'm only a year in on the visceral. So the nice part is that because the touch and the feel is so similar, I connected easily to it. It wasn't, I didn't have to overcome all the mental hurdles and belief system upheaval that I did when I first encountered fascial work. But um, in terms of learning the anatomy to that degree, like, and we all took years and years of anatomy to become PTs, but it's a whole other level. And the nice thing is it still reverts back to trust your hands, trust what you're feeling, trust their body. Um, and so, I mean, the other thing is it goes to so many other levels. So it's not, yes, all the things you said are really important and the visceral work makes a dramatic impact intestinal stuff, digestive stuff. A lot of times there's, it's called gastroparesis. It can happen for a couple different reasons. We find it common in our postpartum population, just with delivery, sometimes things just kind of shut off, um, even more so with C-section. So sometimes the intestines just don't get their motility back right away. So getting some of that work done really helps so that they're digesting better, absorbing nutrients better and pooping better. Um, and then, but like even the impact of the liver on all the other functions, liver has 500 functions more than it's crazy. And so even how that different visceral, you can't see me, but I'm trying to touch my lower ribs, um, impacts the shoulders on the same side, you know, stomach on the left and liver on the right and how those might even be playing a role in shoulder pain, neck pain, and just having that knowledge to kind of rule those things out. Um, it's been super helpful. Before you came on the show. So the, the, the show introduction, I talked about my experience with you and how I went from, I mean, you, I met you in a unique part of my life where I was transitioning out of a breakdown of when I went into business. So there's a lot of stress in my system. And then 
just a lot of crap that I never dealt with. My, my biggest wins working with you, of course, were I have not had any heaviness. Like I went from being a, a, afraid I was going me, a pelvic PT that specializes in athletes was afraid that I was bringing on my own prolapse, future prolapse surgery to haven't thought of it at all. Before that, I didn't even, I didn't even view myself as a sexual being. Now I feel like on the total opposite of the spectrum. I have not been the best keeping up like daily because I was very pretty much consistent with my work with the, the my, my own self myofascial release I was coming to see you uh I still feel great I mean still I'm not working out as much in as intensely at least because of the gym's clothes but did you see an improvement in my system as big as I saw like I just felt so good. I could expand my stomach. My pelvic floor didn't feel like it was a rock. Can you describe what you felt? Because I know other female athletes have the same problem. I never had kids. They might be like, oh, I don't need that. I don't have symptoms. What could you say based on, because I don't know what you felt. I was just enjoying being the patient and enjoying right, the nice results. Switch it up, right? Yes. Well, I think the biggest thing, I mean, it's the part of my job that I adore so much and brings me so much ongoing joy every time I work is that every session is different and every person's body is different. And so I don't have to quote unquote, like know going in. Yes, I need to know anatomy. And the more I know that's helpful, but like that feeling into the system and waiting for your body, like neither you or I during your eval, we're very sure why someone like you who's so thin, so healthy, so fit, so strong, hasn't had kids, never had any abdominal pelvic floor surgeries, no significant issues with your, you know, puberty or your menstrual cycle or any of the normal things that we check for, uh, at least in medical history wise. So we were like, why would someone like you have prolapse? And then come to find out, and, and so because you're an athlete, I was even kind of making an assumption ahead of time that it was probably because your pelvic floor was too tight and it, it was tight and we did have to address that, but like that wasn't the root cause of what was going on with you. It was like tightness and pressure in your abdominal and thank goodness I had had the visceral stuff before working on you. Cause that was far more key with you than the pelvic floor work, um, in terms of the actual fascial release. And so yeah, I mean, that tightness in the abdomen, that inability to breathe well throughout all of your tissues, the thickness and congestion there, um, it, was, it was just a lot. And so being able to, you know, the sustained holds that we do in fascial work create interleukin-8 and other cellular biology stuff that I don't totally understand, but it, it allows for decreased inflammation and more fluidity in the system that enabled you. And then a man, your PRs went through the roof. That was so fun when you would do videos of all that. I was jealous, but it was very fun. And so, I mean, just the ability to help you feel that and feel obviously when we can breathe better, that's going to impact a lot of awesome things, including kind of bringing the nervous system down a notch. Um, so yeah, I mean, I felt tons more in your abdomen than your pelvic floor, which I think surprised us both. Yeah, totally. It was 
growing up and through my college years and on, my stomach made me, it was like there was a war going on in there. And I have not had that noise. I haven't, I just feel so good. And it's really bothering me that I'm not continuing. Like I, I told myself I'm at least seeing you once a month. And once the world goes back to, to normal, I think that I, in order to fully honor myself, I have to do that for myself. So if you're listening and you're an athlete, if you want to continue doing what you love to do, investing in something like this is life-changing. And I mean, I choose this over other things. Like I don't want my joints manipulated. I don't need to have needles all over my body. I don't want to be scraped with any tools. I mean, it's fine, but nothing has been, I had cups all over my abdomen. I've needled myself. I've done all the things and nothing has done what Amy Amy and Melissa have done for me. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I think of you every day that I work out and it's amazing. That is super cool. No, no greater reward than having clients who feel so light in their body and so much joy that you would think of us that often is so amazing. And I think what's cool is that I think sometimes when people think of trauma, I've had many clients come in and they're super nervous that stuff's going to come up that they're not ready to deal with, or that um, they're going to have to face things that have happened to them all over again. And the super incredible thing is, I'm not going to say that doesn't happen. I'm not going to say I haven't someone had someone wail on pillows to get outraged from being attacked. That happens and is very cathartic, but like even you, your abdomen, right? So who knows why you were so tight? Who knows what's happened over your lifetime journey so far? Whether, was there, do you tend to be high strung? Was there anxiety in your system? Was it digestive issues that could have been gut health? Like there's so many things that play into our health. And the great thing is we don't have to know. And even now you and I both been through it. Like you're doing so much better. We still not really sure. Do I know, could I say like, oh, you're better because we released 40% anxiety in your system and we improved your digestion by 30%, like what? So it's just the body knows and it's not like you had to go through like major emotional releases. That happens sometimes and some people really need that. Um, And nothing lightens the body quite as much as a good ragey cry. But um, again, the body just knows and it'll let go of what it needs to let go of when it needs to let go of it. And the benefits abound without really having to sort out the what's or the why's. And I love that. Yeah. It, it's fine to not always have the answers. It's in fact, it's almost, it, it's relieving because I think we spend so much energy trying to find answers to everything. And sometimes there just isn't, there's so much we don't know about the body. So my fast release, you know, it's hard to measure, right? And you are supposed to go into the, the room without an agenda and there, it just doesn't fit into a traditional model. People want to use their insurance. It's so frustrating because insurance basically ha- dictates what you can and can't do as a provider. And often the interventions or the approaches that have profound 
impacts on people are not covered or so, or they, you'd have to see it at mass volume. So the quality of care goes down. How can you, what can you say to the people that really would benefit, but are hesitant because of the insurance factor? Yeah, of course. And we address this every day. So I started my own practice in 2012, um, switched to focusing on just my practice in 2014. And, um, you know, the space we're currently in, um, we moved in there in 2016 and I brought, I just brought Melissa on last August. And so we are cash practice, um, label wise, but I feel like in some ways we have the best of both worlds because it's still physical therapy. We still evaluate and do all the diagnosis codes, CPT codes, create the super bill or invoice for the clients. And so some of our clients are able to use out of network benefits or at least have it go towards the deductible, but we're not tied to the time limits or jumping through the hoops. Um, a lot of clients get frustrated because they might come see us and if they have a diagnosis from their doctor, which isn't even required in the state of Arizona, but if they have something from their doctor for low back pain, but then they walk in one day and they've got this severe headache, I either have to kind of not really do what I'm required to do if I want to treat their neck and their headache or try to justify, you know, that their headaches because of their back pain or like all these different documentation hoops to jump through. Whereas our clients, we address whatever shows up when they walk in and we recheck the system every time they walk in. Um, so even if they have left shoulder pain, that might be coming from the right hip and this kind of torque in the body. So we all have our patterns of ways we move and all this kind of stuff. So um, I think that I mean, not everybody can come see us. That is the unfortunate reality. Um, and so we, the, again, though, that falls back to that network of providers that I know. So I try to have personal relationships or at least have met other pelvic PTs near me, um, try to know of them or at least that have gotten work done by them. So if they have to go in network and I just try to prep them, like, you know, they're only able to see you for 30 minutes, you know, we're here. Um, if clients are using their insurance elsewhere, they can come see us and there's no conflict because we're not submitting to their insurance. So sometimes it's great. People will maybe use their insurance to address a bunch of their issues and then just see us like once a month. So we partner with other therapists and chiropractors, acupuncture, all that kind of stuff to do that kind of stuff to try to help people. And then on our end, we just try to do our best in terms of packages and payment plans and giving them a much higher level of service and more value the education, the home program emails, they have my cell phone, you don't get a machine, they reach us, all that kind of stuff that we are able to do because it's, it's us and it's small and it's family and that's how we want to take care of our clients. So, I can attest again, I have insurance and I'm a new business owner and do not have extra funds, but I made the decision, I made the choice to invest in myself because I knew that that would carry over to my performance in my business. And I didn't want to go through, like, I didn't want to, I used to work in a clinic and I did not want to take the walk from the waiting room all the way back to the pelvic health room where everyone looks at you if you walk back there. And it just, there is a, 
there's a total feel there's a difference in culture when you go to a clinic that wants to do everything that does everything versus one that specializes in what you're going to see what you're being seen for so not only the quality care <laughs> there's no deny of like what when you, a therapist is in the clinic they're expected to see so many patients they have to justify which in the state of Arizona, if you have Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance, they don't cover some of the main, like they don't cover pelvic pain and they only cover uh, stress urinary incontinence. And then you, the therapist spends like two hours on notes. And so when they see, when you ask them to send you an email or extra stuff, that's just another task that they have to do on top of all the other tasks that they had to do. Like wash the clothes, fold the sheets. I might be talking about my last job, but (laughs) (laughs) like now if you go see someone like Amy, it's, it's so different. It's so different. So consider that. And I myself am on, was on a payment plan and she works with what I could pay, pay at the time. Like I pay certain amounts a week and that's really helpful. So know that that's typically an option when you see a concierge provider as well. And which I have an HSA card. I have money on that. I should pay off the rest of my balance. I didn't know I had money on it. But anyways, I hope that if you are getting care and you're in a clinic that you've been going for, say, six to eight visits and you're not seeing the results that you'd want, Consider seeing a private, a, a, a provider that's not covered under, under insurance because typically they're, they're not restricted by the system. Would you say, do you want to add anything else, Amy? Well, I'm glad you just said that if you've been seeing them six to eight sessions. So I think in an outpatient setting, and I don't know for sure for pelvic PT, but 12 to 16 visits is considered very standard. You go to three times a week for four to six weeks. That's not how we work at all. Our patient averages are around eight visits. So we do once a week and, you know, whether it's pregnancy, postpartum or other concerns, like most of our clients don't need more than eight sessions and a lot are in that five to six ballpark. And so that's another factor too, when you're thinking about missing out on your life, right? Like you can't do workouts like you want to, or you're concerned every time you pick up your baby or kiddo that you're creating damage in your body or sex is painful and it's interfering in your life and marriage and that overflows into so many things. And um, so I think that when you think about that and the fact that we're talking six to eight visits, that I don't think people really have that reference point though, unless like you said, either working in that environment or have tried other traditional PT, they're not really going to have a reference point for the difference it'll make with having to only make one appointment to us a week, not schedule three times a week, just scheduling logistics. And a lot of our clients are mostly women. So they're usually having to juggle the dropping off kids at school or picking up kids at school or babysitting for the kids while they come to appointments. So um, I think there's value in that piece as well, that they're not going to nearly come in as many times and the time commitment plus what they'll get for it in terms of, again, the home program, the attention, the resources, all that stuff. 
I think it's absolutely crazy when people tell me that they've been going to PT for 12 weeks and over two times a week or three times a week for 12 weeks and they're not getting results. I, as a provider, would think, I would feel like I was doing something wrong or it was, it didn't, at eight, at the eight visit mark, if I wasn't seeing results, I was either changing my approach or referring to another provider, not necessarily, even another pelvic PT to get other eyes on, on that person, because you should not be going and not, not seeing results in eight visits. Please, please, please do not continue going if you're not seeing any results. It's too much of a time suck and it's stressful and it's, I started seeing results after my first visit with Amy. So if you're going for a similar thing, you should be seeing results pretty quickly. It doesn't have to be you're better, but you're, you're in the right direction. And be having those conversations with your therapist. Like if a patient walks in and their whole focus is around the pain they have, which is super understandable, that's usually what draws most of our energy and attention is something that hurts us. Sometimes the changes we make don't necessarily alleviate the pain right away, but if, if they're asked, if we're working on that awareness piece, which for us, we always are, they might not necessarily feel like the pain's a lot better, but they notice they can still move easier or that the pain doesn't last as long or they can breathe better and they're sleeping better. So I think those conversations to have with your therapist, like, Hey, my perception is I'm, my pain is the same. And the therapist is like, yeah, but look how much more range of motion you have, or look at the fact that you are stronger or so I do think in all fairness to therapists, like that's a conversation that should be happening. Um, because a lot of times the patient will be like, well, I don't think I'm that much better. And it's like, you start asking questions and increasing their awareness. Cause when, when something's quote unquote wrong, we don't pay attention to it. That's part of how we cope which is completely normal and part of why we survive as a species. So part of my job is bringing that full awareness back to what's going on for them, what they're feeling, what they need, and kind of reintegrating that whole body because it's normal to tune out from that, but then it can't change. That was such a really important piece of information that you just said, that when something happens or you have an incident it's our body's natural response to ignore it or move away from it. So our, we don't have awareness of it. And so someone like Amy is going to bring it back so that you can make the necessary changes. Really good point uh, around that process because I, I never thought of it that way. Cool. So, Right now, I have been struggling with communicating and educating primary care providers and some other types of physicians in the Phoenix area about the utility of pelvic health. So personally, in about 10 years, I hope that we are part of, we are on the forefront in the primary care domain, at least for women's health. Where do you want to see pelvic health professionals in 10 years? That is a good question. So I'm going to start with a positive. So one thing I'm encouraged about is that it's getting a lot more known about in school. So a lot of therapists are getting exposed to it in school 
And that, therefore, many more are going into it either right out of school or they're seeking out exposure to it, at least in their first job. So that was an important step that was lacking for a really long time. There just weren't very many pelvic PTs. So I think that's already a great start that I've shifting over the past couple of years. Um, absolutely. How big of a tangent do you want to go on right now, Jocelyn? So, I mean, we could talk about how women are treated in healthcare in general. Um, I'll try to keep it more narrowed down, but our pregnancy and postpartum care in this country is abysmal to say the least. And I'm going to focus on that just because that is my very specific niche within pelvic health is geared towards pregnancy and postpartum. Um, and it's shocking to know there are niches within that very specific niche, but a lot of people do more post-surgical or a lot of people do strictly bladder retraining and bowel retraining or there there's different parts, but um, I'm especially passionate about, pregnancy and postpartum care and women still don't even know that there is pelvic PT for that and for our pelvis and for our uh, reproductive organs and all that stuff. And I mean, again, we could go down a whole rant about women and sexuality and asking for what we want and um, being heard and you look at things like chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia and a lot of pelvic pain and chronic pain issues, and women are repeatedly dismissed. People don't understand the pelvis, even within the medical community. I know everyone thinks, well, OBGYNs do that, and now we even have urogynecologists. It's still, relatively speaking, a no man's land. So it is not uncommon at all. I'm sure you get this too to have clients come in and be like, I've been going to different doctors for six years and no one can help me and no one knows what's wrong and no, everybody thinks I'm crazy. You know, you hear that from women all the time and it is completely ridiculous. It's frankly just bullshit. It is just, just unacceptable. And so um, I think that one problem is, you know, MRIs and CT scans are still the gold standard and they don't show the whole connective tissue in our bodies. Um, even the extent to which they show what's going on with ligaments and tendons is minimal. And so um, when it comes to an area that's all soft tissue um, that impacts so many blood vessels and nerves, um, relying on those tests to tell us what's wrong is, it's just so below standard of care that um, it needs to be considered uh, invalid, like ancient, outdated is the word I was looking for. And ironically, pelvic PTs can usually figure it out just our hands. It's, we don't need an MRI. Like it isn't, now, can I tell like the extent of somebody's endo? No, no one can until you actually open them up surgically. Um, so there's still a total place for all of that medicine and all of those tools. When it comes to a lot of the soft tissue stuff, a thorough pelvic PT exam would probably give so much more information. And at a bare minimum, the power in women just feeling heard is so huge and would be such a massive step forward. So I have to admit, I don't spend a lot of time um, trying to talk to doctors. Um, I 
um, involved with and talked to a lot of midwives, a lot of doulas, a lot of people in the birth community here in the Valley and just women just letting, especially, you know, luckily physical therapy, we're a direct access state in Arizona. So people don't need a prescription to come to, from a doctor to come to physical therapy. So that was a huge step forward. Um, and I don't think it's like the doctors don't want to know. It's not that they don't want to help, but they don't know either. And so um, I don't, I mean, gosh, I have no idea what it's going to look like in 10 years, but I would certainly hope that postpartum care would include a basic pelvic exam. Um, you know, the OBs and, and midwives and stuff, they don't do that. They don't have time for that in the, you know, that six week checkup that can often be arbitrary and women's response to delivery is so vast and it's different if you had vaginal or C-section or vaginal with massive tearing or your fourth baby versus your first baby or a 12 pound baby versus a six pound baby. Like there's just tons of responses in what the body's doing and hormone levels. And one of the biggest gifts I get to give my clients is just some peace of mind. So many women I think don't even want to come in because they just don't want to know. They just want to hope it's going to get better. They're like, Oh, I'm still breastfeeding. It'll get better when I stop breastfeeding. And like next thing you know, it's 18 months down the road and they're getting worse and worse and worse. And now they're really scared. And so it's still that reticence to even get checked, to even ask those questions. So I'm constantly telling women like, listen, there's a lot of steps between where you are right now of doing nothing and the scary, scary stuff like surgery. There's a lot of steps in between and the peace of mind when they finally come in, the peace of mind of being able to just tell them what's going on with their body and them feeling it is so immense. That's my favorite thing. Lots of good stuff you just said. So 10 years, the postpartum care is going to be a lot better. A lot of, hopefully hopeful that there will be a lot of changes that result in women getting follow-up by someone like yourself after having a baby just for the sole fact of peace of mind so that it doesn't go I, I hate the term ignorance is bliss because it's not it's not it really isn't not when it comes to this stuff when you have people like Amy, that can serve as a guide, myself, that can serve, give you advice on, oh, this isn't that bad. You might go to your primary care who says you have a, a prolapse or you have this and they say you need surgery and then that just sends you in a spin, but you come and see us. We're like, oh, that's not bad. Here are the steps to improve that. So peace of mind is huge. Well, just giving the body a shot to heal. Absolutely. Yeah. If you just wait, it's, I say that things don't typically just get better. I mean, not. And we can usually, again, help it so much quicker so they can heal more thoroughly faster, get back to activities they love faster. Like it's just a win, win, win all the way around. Totally. Go for it. Even though we, you, you and I both know that CrossFitters they need to know this stuff. But at the, like I came to you because I had vaginal heaviness, but at the really deep root of my issues, what I really wanted was to be confident sexually, whether I was aware of that at the time seeing you or not, that was a realization of when I got over the prolapse symptoms, I wanted to just be confident 
sexually because I didn't have anything like that. So I think that an entrance point to just the pelvic floor and pelvic health in general, everyone, if they admit it or not, loves to talk and listen about sex. So as the, the main thing with the podcast, the whole thing about this is to try to get healthcare pros to be able to hold a space, either one, hold a space where others feel more comfortable sharing their whole story. Cause a lot of people hold back and then we in the healthcare providers can't tell them the right advice or the, the most efficient advice. Or if you're already there sexually, how can you challenge those around you to improve elsewhere, like communication, uh, just just being open about pelvic health in general and what can you like for an example i uh am i mentioned this in previous episodes i'm trying different types of sex toys so that when people ask me about about them i can i can i know what i'm talking about because they really can serve as an adjunct for people um that's one example. Let's say if I'm trying to get, I'm confident pooping in public and that's actually a lie. So this is actually a challenge for me just in itself. I'm going to bring my portable squatty potty in public restrooms. Not only will that create, get me out of my shell, it will start a conversation for sure. And that's when I can say, Hey, I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist and I help people poop and pee better and get back to the things that they love. What could you do to help the movement here? Yeah, nice choice of words. Um, so, I mean, I think a couple things. I know one thing like that, I mean, even we use TheraWands with clients sometimes. And so trying that out and trying to use it helped me know how to communicate to clients because a lot of them would come back the next time and they're like, I didn't do it. I wasn't sure I knew what to do. And so... I could walk them through that because I had tried to treat my own pelvic floor with the TheraWand. Um, similar for, um, so sometimes we'll get samples of lube, testing lube out, which I'm going to come back to in a second. But I think, I mean, that's the LV is a pelvic strengthening device. And so I didn't want to recommend that to clients until I tried it out. Um, basically turns your vagina into a video game on your phone. Um, but I think like the lube one's something I can, talk about because I it was very practical for me. So a lot of women are like, do I use lube? Do I not use lube? What lubes do you recommend? And so that was one factor of like, what do I recommend and wanting it to be kind of natural and those different things. So I've looked into it from that standpoint, but in terms of my sex life, um, two main limiting beliefs that I had was one that that's just for a woman, like that it only benefits me to use lube. So then it becomes this other thing that I have to interrupt sex or bring up at the beginning or um, yet another thing I have to ask for, right? Like that whole asking, receiving thing in sex, I think can be really challenging and a, a barrier to intimacy for a lot of people. And I, you know, a lot of clients, we've discussed this as well with whether there's a pain factor involved or whether it's just, even women knowing their bodies to the point that we know, acknowledge, and accept the fact that during our cycle, there's a time where we have more 
discharge, but it's kind of sticky and clumpy. There's a time in our cycle where it might be runny and we for sure don't want lube because things already feel like a puddle down there. Or like as we age and things get drier in general all the way through the cycle and just those different things and knowing that about our bodies. Um, but kind of one experiment I did is I had read that lube's actually better for both partners and I wasn't sure I believed that. And so I kind of did a little experiment where I just, whether I thought I needed it or not, I used it anytime my husband and I had sex for like two weeks and ended up writing a blog post about, I think it's titled just don't, but that don't have sex without lube. And so, you know, that to me would be a good challenge to women to check that out. Um, and I can recommend some good brands. Um, we even have some samples at the office that we give clients. So that's just the one example that came to mind for me. That's an awesome example. And I can totally relate to that internal dialogue. Like I'm asking for another thing or we have to interrupt or it's just for me, but it's not, that's totally not the case. I love that. Both are really good. And so how are we going to, how am I going to hold you accountable here? Well, I could either do that. Uh, that was several years ago. I could do that experiment again where I use it every time, whether I think I need it or not for the next couple of weeks and let you know what I notice. And if things are noticeably better, I think too, women don't realize the tissue damage we can cause ourselves um, with just toughing it out, right? Like, Oh, he's almost done. I don't want to stop. And did it, you know, the mess and the, the, you know, whatever excuses or beliefs we make up or have in our minds. Um, and I think one thing that was, and I use it even still when I'm like, Oh, do I really like, um, is that it is better for both of us. It isn't just for me. Like, and of course, our partners, whether they're consciously thinking about it in that moment or not, like most men, most partners would be appalled at the thought of hurting us. And that residual tissue trauma isn't good, even if it's like micro tears. Um, and especially if it's someone who is recovering after baby or from some other issue and the way that can contribute to inflammation and pain, like it's just something that you just don't need to add that factor in. And so if lube removes that barrier, all the better. Yeah. So yeah. How about that? I'll just um, try it every time, no matter what, for the next couple of weeks and let you know what happens. I would love if you can shoot a short clip of yourself and we'll put that, we'll compile it and I'm going to promote it on my, on the podcast website or the podcast Instagram. And then also on my Instagram. Awesome. I'm going to assume you mean just a clip of me saying what I'm going to do. Yes. Yeah. Just, okay. Yes. Or like, like we're, not, we're not filming porn here, Joss. <laughs> <laughs> going to have to draw a line, sister. <laughs> I guess, I guess that makes sense. And I, I that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing with me how you help people. Thank you so much for changing my life. I'm so happy to have connected with you and have had the opportunity to be treated by you. And then now in the future, get to work with you. Hopefully that's going to happen. Um, to the listeners that are in the Phoenix area, uh, what are, can you tell uh, the listeners how they could reach you? What are the best ways? If someone wants to schedule an appointment, what can they do? 
Okay, for sure. So yeah, we're in the Phoenix area right now. Our office is located right off I-17 and Thunderbird. Uh, we are moving to Peoria, 87th and Bell, and that's finally becoming a reality um, in the next couple months. But we have a website. It's momentoftruthpt.com. And there's a lot of information on there. I also have a podcast, um, which I'm going to have you on very soon. And um, we'll actually air this out through our podcast as well. Um, blog, tons of exercise videos, free reports on the homepage that women can have, avoiding back pain in pregnancy, a postpartum checklist. We work with babies as well, lip and tongue tie issues. So a lot of resources on the website. Um, there's also a thing on there that explains the discovery session that we offer um, prospective clients, um, which we don't charge for. Um, and then also our phone number is 623 Two two six four zero zero two. So um, we're happy to speak with you, happy to meet with you, and happy for you to use any of the resources on our website that are useful to you. I will include all of those things into, I'll link your website and include your phone number in the show notes. And then also, what's your, where can they find you on Instagram? Yeah, Instagram, we're just at moment of truth PT. Okay, cool. Facebook and, also, just Moment of Truth Physical Therapy. What's your podcast name? Bellies, Babies, and Birth. So on iTunes, all the major platforms. Be sure to check that out. Uh, and then she also has a YouTube channel, right? Right. Yeah, just Moment of Truth Physical Therapy. Cool. Well, it has been Truly amazing getting to do this. Thank you again. You're and did, so welcome. Thanks for having me. Did we get real? I would say so. All right. I'll be looking forward to those videos. Until next, yeah. until next time on Real Talk with the Pelvic Docs. Thank you for listening.